0: Hey guys, it's Winningham back from vacation. Just a quick disclaimer before we start today's pod with Ethan and Chris Kaufman, a.k.a. CK, from Three Yards Per Carry. They taped this just a little bit before the frenzy of transactions the Dolphins have taken on in this free agent period. And so you're going to hear them talk about some things that have already happened, some storylines that have already come to fruition. So just keep that in mind as you listen to today's Five Reasons Podcast.
1: Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick doing another episode without my partner, Chris Whittingham. As we're taping this, he is flying back from jolly old England, where I think he has actually taken up permanent citizenship. Uh, But Chris will be back uh, to do a couple of episodes with me this week. We're going to be up... In Jupiter for Marlins Spring Training, we've got a couple of big guests planned up there. We'll also continue our six weeks of Wade series. I don't want to give away our guest this week, but it's a very, very good one. Also, check out, in addition to subscribing to our podcast, check out the other podcasts in our network, Miami Heat Beat Chamber Podcast. Out for the Counts is going to start posting again this week. Obviously, we've got swings and niches up there at Marlins Spring Training, the best Marlins coverage you will certainly find in the area, Goldie on Ice, getting back on it this week, too. about sort of the Panthers' future, because this season hasn't gone how they expected. But today, my co-host, you can usually hear him on 3 Yards Per Carry, which is one of our most popular podcasts. They're almost at a year now, Chris. Um, I, I was looking at it the other day. I think you guys started with us, like, the last week of March. So we're almost at the... One year anniversary, you can find him on Twitter at CK Parodies. Chris Kaufman, you hear him with Simon Clancy and Alfredo Artiega every week or during the season, every or two times a week during the season, once a week during the off season. And Chris, what we're going to do today is we're going to try to go through free agency as best we can as it applies to the Dolphins. We understand things are fluid. We're going to try to cover some things that will last a little bit longer here. But obviously, by the time you listen to the podcast, it is possible that some things have changed. But I want to throw this question at you before we get to specifics. I'm going to try that word again. Before we get to specifics, we can leave that on the podcast. Before we get to specifics about who the Dolphins may go after and who they may let go, I want to get into a philosophical discussion with you because I've talked about this with Winningham quite a bit. And we played around with this word tanking that was floated clearly by someone very high up in the organization to Mm. some media people to try to get that out there. I know that your partner, Simon Clancy, hates that word. I don't think it's really what the Dolphins are doing, actually. Mm. Can you talk about what you think they are doing and why that even got out? Because it clearly got out from people who wanted it to get out from inside the Dolphin organization.
2: There was actually a rumor, uh, if you listen to or or read Dave Hyde of the um – South Florida Sun Sentinel. He said that some of these rumors, uh, especially about the 2020 quarterbacks and and how they're not um, they're not going to focus on any quarterbacks this year, and it's going to be 2020, came from Adam Gase himself, um, uh, sort of outgoing, and um, you do wonder about that because he was outgoing and he certainly has uh, no um, no love for Miami I don't think as he was fired here but uh, I don't know it it could have been as you as you've uh, implied several times which is that let's get it out there so that the expectations aren't high it could have also been Steve Ross who is he waffles back and forth on things he's like a fan this week he thinks this way the next week he thinks another way and he he talks a lot he talks a lot with his people uh, especially as you know, he has a whole life outside of the Miami Dolphins. He's with uh, RSE Ventures and. He has people in his inner circle there and he talks with people from what, and from everything that I've heard, because I know that several of these sources that speak to the media in South Florida are connected through Steve Ross's other ventures. Um, and so he talks to people and when he's, when he's thinking something this week, he, he says something to them and then those people go on and talk. And then that's how that, that gets out there. But I think what I took from that first press conference was just that everything that they do in the off season has to have a 2020 or 2021 to it. It doesn't, uh, it wasn't that they were just going to try to lose games as it's been um, portrayed in the media as we've seen over the last month or two. Uh, I think it's more about, okay, we're gonna sign this guy, but how does this help us in 2020? You know we're gonna we're gonna draft this guy. how does this help us in 2020 through you know 2023. I don't think it's about, you know, I've seen it several times. We're running down a list. and For instance, the quarterback position. Well, we don't want to sign this guy because he might win us too many games next year. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's what they're looking at. I think that that's actually kind of ludicrous of an exercise to go down, because at that point, why sign anybody? Um, you just have Luke Falk or uh, Jake Rudock be the quarterback from then on. You're, if the point is to lose, then you don't sign anybody. The point of signing somebody is to get better. So I, I don't, you know, if you're not trying to be better, there, there are people trying to walk this weird tightrope, I think. And, um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that's what's actually happening.
1: Yeah. And, and look, there are quarterbacks out there, um, who could win you a few games, but not enough. Right. Like, so, you know, like one name that's, that's come up a couple of times is like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. So Ryan Fitzpatrick does the same thing with every team he's with. (laughs) He's hot, right. He starts hot, really hot sometimes. I mean, he did it in Buffalo. Uh, he, and he did it in Tampa. I mean, he's done this repeatedly. And then all of a sudden the picks start to come, right? So it's like, you know, he'll, he'll win you a few games early and then not later. Uh, I, I'm with you on this. I, I don't think uh, that they're going to start the quarterback with, with – uh, start the season with Falk or, or Rudolph at quarterback. I, I think there's going to be somebody else in the mix, whether it's a drafted guy. Maybe it's not a high, high pick because we're going to talk a little about Kyler Murray and kind of what's going on there. But maybe it's not a high pick, but maybe it's a later pick. Uh, maybe, again, it's a journeyman who's, who's here for one year to kind of rehabilitate his career. Maybe he becomes the backup to whoever the quarterback is is drafted in 2020, possibly. But but I don't think they're just going to go with sort of slop together what they have currently. Because, and here's the big thing about this to me, CK, they still have to sell tickets. Like, I, you know, and, and this, this town, I mean, and Chris and I have had this discussion, Winningham and I, you know, about, you know, how long the town will tolerate it. And and the question, you know, comes up because it's not like things have been good and, and Dolphin fans have generally stuck around. But if you were at the stadium as I was for the last four games of last season, uh, there were a ton of empty seats and, you know, you still have to fill a place. And, I think they've benefited somewhat by the fact that there's no passion right now for what the other teams are doing, but ultimately, uh, you know, fans are going to make a decision whether or not it's worth paying to go on a Sunday afternoon and watch, you know, the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL. So I, I do think that Ross, it's one of those things. It's like you say, you know, it's like you're going, you know, you're going to you have a diet, right? Like, And you know what the end result you want is. Okay. And so, you're like, okay, if I have to starve myself, if I have to completely, you know, I'm not just going to swear off chocolate, okay? I'm going to swear off everything. I'm going to swear off steak. I'm going to swear off chicken. I'm going to swear off, you know, the vegetables. I like, whatever it is, I'm going to swear it off um, to get there. And then, you know, you're you know, you're know, a few days into it, and you're like, what the hell did I just do? And, and I, I kind of feel like the Dolphins, you know, might be starving themselves this season or might have looked at that. But I don't know that you can actually go through with it in this town. So I, I – how long do you think the dolphin? I mean, you're on the message boards, you've been for years, you're on Twitter. Where is the dolphin fan right now? Do you think they have the patience for this?
2: I think the dolphin fan has been in much the same place for a while in my opinion. Um, and this is there's there's been an evolution, obviously, from say, the Wanstat days uh, when the fan was used to winning, just not used to winning a lot or winning at all or competing for an actual championship. And now they're just kind of used to being eight and eight or seven and nine uh, or six and ten. But either way, the level of sort of, for lack of a better word, bitchiness um, is seems about the same. Um, So I, I don't know. I don't know if there's. I never think I never want to be extreme, like saying, "Hey, we're right on the precipice of the fan leaving," Um, because it's been this way for a while, and it's been two decades since the Dolphins have really done anything um, worth writing about. And so I think that uh, you know that could be another two decades, really. Who knows? Uh, So I I I don't try to get extreme about it, but I think that when it comes to this tanking thing, it's which which I don't think is really happening. it's really about in the off season every single thing that they do probably having to have a 2020 outlook to it and that includes a quarterback if they go out and sign a Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback they have to be saying to themselves either Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to help us beyond 2019 in 2020 in some way he's going to continue playing he's not so old that he's you know this is going to be his last year and he's going to improve the room going forward or Ryan Fitzpatrick is such a great veteran presence and such a smart guy that he will help us to establish that quarterback room in 2019 and then whatever young players are with him in that quarterback room will take that forward into 2020 and beyond and that's possible Um, that's possible with Ryan Fitzpatrick I don't think he's probably the best guy for that I think that there might be if they're if they're aiming for that they might be leaning toward Josh McCown as, as the option but I mean that's that's what you have to look at it you have to look at everything through the lens of this is about this is not about 2019 we don't care about those wins and there are certain advantages that you have when you don't care about 2019. Uh, I'll just t- throw a, a very simple one out there with respect to defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State who is a very high ranked player I mean he's a very highly rated player however he tore his ACL like a month ago in workouts and if you don't care about 2019 then what you do is you trade down get some extra picks and then you take him knowing that in 2020 and beyond you've got a top 10 talent but um, you've also got those extra picks because you traded down now if you cared about 2019 you're gonna think you're gonna you're gonna think again about that you're gonna think you're gonna say well I don't know that we can afford to do this because, you know, how can we take our first round pick and just give them the red shirt and not expect anything out of them in 2019? Right. So, you know, 20, not caring about 2019 has a specific intent and purpose of allowing you to arbitrage opportunities. And I think that's what they're going for. I don't think it's, they're going for, well, you know, this guy might win us too many games and then, you know, then we're out of luck. You know, I, I don't think that that's the, the mindset. Yeah, you know, I was, today I was at
1: a, an O.J. McDuffie event in Davey. He had a, his annual bowling event. And, you know, Marino's there and J.T.'s there and Sertan is there and Timbo made an appearance, which was it was nice to see him and Troy Drayton and all these other guys have been there through the years. I'm just looking around that room and I'm just thinking how much talent has this organization squandered over the past <laughs> 30 years
2: it's, it's just remarkable like I mean, because well they, the jerseys haven't changed though either
1: well well that well that's the thing like I mean if you go to a dolphins game now like you're seeing the guys from the 90s and the 2000s like there, there's a there's like just a dead spot right like yeah, that uh, since the last playoff win, and t- you know, after the 2000, you know, the 2000 season and Lamar Smith, like and we're talking almost two decades, just looking out of the room, like they had really good players, the, went nowhere was the
2: administration,
1: literally. Basically, right. I mean, just went and and all these guys just went nowhere. And so I do understand a pivot in philosophy, like that part of it I get. I just wonder, as you're saying, maybe it just is about 2020, but I wonder sometimes if the pivot in philosophy is basically just giving yourself a cushion. It's saying, you know, getting it out there, we're not going to be very good this year. Okay, got to be patient. I know that there's been some concern about the idea that they hired, you know, a staff that was very diverse, um, and I give tremendous credit to, uh, to Steve Ross for that, Okay, for doing what NFL, other NFL teams are not doing, which is giving opportunities to qualified African-American and other minority candidates. So give mm-hmm. credit to Steve Ross for that. I know one of the concerns was if you're going to be bad intentionally, if that's what we're talking about, then you're setting up your group for failure, and we just saw what happened yeah. to Steve Wilkes in Arizona. So I don't think he wants to do that Like you said, I just think it's floating it out there to make it clear, okay, we understand we're not positioned to contend for a championship or even an AFC championship this year. So just sort of hang with us. And like you said, every decision made has 2020 in mind. I do want to focus back before we get into some of the players they may look at. And I know Trey Flowers and then the signing of Dwayne Allen, we'll touch on all that. But I want to get into the players that are currently on the Dolphin roster, CK. So And what if we're talking about a 2020 context, okay, you and I both talk about this a lot. I've talked about it for years and years and years that there are four core positions in football that you have to address, and that's where the big money goes. And this is why I've never understood throwing a lot of money at an Endomican Sioux who doesn't play one of those positions or some of the other positions that the Dolphins have addressed over the years. Okay, but it is quarterback, it is left tackle, it is corner, and it is pass rusher. And sure. and, and the, you know the Dolphins are going to basically let go of a pass rusher in Cam Wake who's still playing at a high level, albeit at an advanced age. They whiffed right. on Charles Harris, it appears, um, who should be sort of ascending into that spot. They've got a cornerback who is elite, established himself as elite over the past sort of season and a quarter. in Xavier Howard, they have to decide whether they want to pay him. They have a left tackle who is getting into the elite space in Laramie Tunsil. It looks like they hit on that pick, but he's also doing extension with Jimmy Sexton as his agent. And then we've talked about the quarterback hole. What do they do with the two guys that we know can play at two important positions. When you're looking at 2020, do you extend Xavier and Howard? Do you extend Laramie Tunsil or do you trade
2: them? I think that they've, they're going to extend them. I mean, I don't think at this point that that's even speculation. I think that that's their intention. They intend to extend both Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, as well as Xavier Howard at corner. And, and to go within your framework, let's say they do go out and bid high and win out on a Trey Flowers. Then they, They've just assembled three of your four, um, so I think that that's you know if you're talk, talking about that that classic framework, and I think it is a very classic approach to building the roster, and it reminds me of I believe Mike Holmgren when he took uh, the Seattle Seahawks to the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It always struck me the very classic manner in which he um, he he built that roster. Uh, using those sorts of cornerstone pieces and if the Dolphins do get Trey Flowers and they keep Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunsil then they have three of those four and then they're going to focus on figuring out and finding the right quarterback for 2020 uh the the 2020 draft that doesn't mean that they won't take a guy in 2019 but let's say it's, it's going to be a guy that improves the quarterback room not necessarily a headliner Um, 2020 now you might be thinking okay but yeah you take a guy in 2020 he's not going to win right away he's not going well actually a lot of these guys are ready to win right away I mean if you look at the the success stories out there the quarterbacks um, that are considered to be successful elite level franchise quarterback picks uh, probably 80 percent of them actually did something pretty impressive as rookies when if they played as rookies and that's one of the reasons, I mean, we can get into the Josh Rosen thing later, but one of the reasons I'm a little bit of a skeptic on him is because those success stories, 80% of them, if they played as rookies, they showed something really promising. And they won right away. Cam Newton won right away with, um, with, with Carolina Panthers. or he, he took their offense from 32nd in the league to being a top 10, top five type of offense overnight. And I think that if you get the right young franchise-level quarterback, yeah, it can happen right away, and it certainly can happen by that second year, by 2021, for example. So I don't think we're getting this, oh, well, Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunsil are already going to be old by the time we're ready to compete because we don't have the quarterback yet. I think the future happens now a lot with these young quarterbacks, especially when they're dynamic, um, as you would hope that to be getting one of those guys
1: yeah sorry so let's say that they do extend them and i agree i I think both guys you do i think the dolphins have made some mistakes over the years by not extending certain guys we can have conversations about whether they made like sort of the right call on a guy like olivier vernon a few years ago again we're talking about different regime uh, and and a different philosophy but i think you have to extend both I, i just i mean look the Dolphins have struggled so much to find blue-chip players. The <laughs> idea that they're going to walk away from them in their early to mid-20s uh, to me is just ludicrous. I mean, then I, I don't know what you sell the fans at that point. I mean, we're talking about Charles Harris, complete whiff, Devontae Parker, complete whiff, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. guys who are supposed to – because number one receiver is supposed to be sort of, I guess, the fifth position there and, and the Dolphins. Probably, are- yeah. Yeah, and the Dolphins have not been able to find that guy who makes everybody better. And they drafted Parker to be that. He wasn't that. Hasn't been mm-hmm. that, and is not going to be here. So, I I think you have to extend uh, both guys. I just want I know you did a a, a patron episode on this, uh, but I want to give you a chance here. Uh, do you have any issue with them walking away from Cam Wake?
2: At this point, no. If you if you've given up on because he is this old. I mean, he's he's pretty advanced in age, and if if you've given up on 2019 to the point. Not that you're trying to lose 2019. It's just that you're not attaching value to the 2019 story with everything that you do. And if that's the case, then you don't really sign Cameron Wake back because you can't even assume that he'll be playing in 2020. Um, so I think that they're they're probably doing the right thing. He's gonna go off to a, a contending team, I'm sure, because that's who he will appeal to as a team that believes that they're contending. And he he'll do well there because he's still in excellent pass rusher he's a very efficient pass rusher he pressures the quarterback at an extreme rate uh even in 2018 he did that and maybe his snap counts are going to be more in the 500 territory than the 700 territory by the end of the year but um but he's still a productive player that way he's been a model player um he's never been a vocal player uh but i think that they're probably doing the right thing
1: yeah so if they don't have him and let's look at some of the rest of the roster who have not sort of emerged yet because I, I think that affects some of the decisions they make here in free agency. So your quick dial down on a couple of guys here. Charles
2: Harris, Mike Kasicki. Charles Harris, uh, I have my doubts about because even in the defense that we just went away from, the, uh, the, the wide nine sort of defense with Chris Kosirik as the defensive line coach, teaching this sort of all-out, no-hesitation style, just, you know, explode off the snap, get up the field, and then start to um, start to work your way back to the ball. Even in that, he wasn't taking to it because there's a little bit too much hesitation in his game. There's a little bit too much thinking in his game. And, um, and so now he's going to a different defensive style where they are charged with using their eyes a little better and a little more smartly. And I think that that could be – Um, That could be a recipe for disaster for him, really. Uh, So I don't have a lot of hope for him. Mike is a little bit different, though. Mike Gesicki, as a tight end, first off, he did have production as a rookie. It's not as if he was blanked out. But um, he wasn't used the way – listen anybody that watched the guy in college anybody's grandmother that watched the guy in college could probably draw you a rough napkin math a uh, map of how he's supposed to be used uh you know you, you don't necessarily want him in your classic tight end position outside of the offensive tackle's shoulder and you know blocking a whole bunch and pass protecting and doing all this stuff and yet that's what Adam Gase had the guy doing. I mean, he had him pass protecting on probably like 19% of pass plays. He had him outside the tackle shoulder on the line about 44% of the time. These are too high for him. We're Now we're looking at a set of coaches that had Aaron Hernandez in 2011-2012 And they had Aaron Hernandez sitting in to pass protect 4% of the time, you know, a quarter of the time that, you know, less than a quarter of the time that Mike Gesicki was. They had Aaron Hernandez off the tackle's shoulder like uh, something like 13% of the time. I mean, they they knew what to do with Aaron Hernandez, okay? They knew what kind of player he was and what they needed him to do. Now they're going to be in Miami and they're going to be looking at Mike Gesicki and they're probably going to see similar players to be used in a similar manner. And we're not going to see as much of the the wasted plays that we saw last year with Mike Gesicki, uh, but all this is sort of predicated, and this is why the Dwayne Allen signing ended up being important. All this is predicated, you know. Aaron Hernandez had Rob Gronkowski with him the entire time, right. and it was important that he have Rob Gronkowski with him the entire time because the Patriots needed to have somebody that could take care of that role before they could start to use Aaron Hernandez off, you know, off of the uh, formation. And in the slot and all these different positions, they needed to take care of that first. And Rob Gronkowski gave them that ability. Uh, In Miami, now what have they done? They had Durham Smith and they had Nick O'Leary, but they didn't trust those guys to increase their usage and really nail that on the line position down. So that they can use Gasicki the way that they need to. So they went ahead and signed Dwayne Allen, who they know from his experience in New England and these coaches' experience with him, they know that he can do that. And and so now they they have a fair confidence that they can that they've got that on the line, off the tackle shoulder position taken care of, the Y position taken care of. And now they can use Gasicki the way he was always meant to be used. So I think the arrow is up for him. Charles Harris is the opposite direction. The arrow is down to me.
1: All right, and one more here before we move to to the guys they may look at. Raekwon McMillan.
2: I think that is, he's actually going to do pretty well in this. One thing about the linebackers in the last in the last defense that they had is there was a lot of pressure on those linebackers. You know, Belichick has talked about this some with respect to why he uses he has certain defensive linemen to gapping or, or does some of the defensive approaches that he does. Uh, when you do the math as far as fitting everybody into gaps, uh, somebody has to two-gap. And in a 3-4 in a, in a defense or in a, a defense that has defensive linemen two-gapping, then you've got those big, strong bodies uh, with two-gap responsibility up front. And that means that the linebackers don't have to do that uh, in the 4-3. You know how to book flights and hotels.
0: All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
2: two-gap have to be responsible for or at least one linebacker has to be responsible for two gaps and Bill Belichick doesn't like having linebackers responsible for that and it puts them at a disadvantage I think that the moving to this style of defense and they're not always going to have defensive linemen two-gapping up front but um, moving to this style of defense puts less pressure on the linebackers than in the style of defense that we had before because the style of defense that we had before you know they really had to move forward on the attack and then go at a disadvantage on the pass defense, and um, and I think that things are di- going to be different in this style of defense. So that benefits Raekwon McMillan. He is a a heavier guy. He's strong. Um, he's a good run stopper. I think this is particular. If you look at the linebackers that Bill Belichick has had mm-hmm. in um, in in New England over the time, they're not fast. They're none of them are fast. <laughs> you know, and every every Bleacher Report writer since. God knows when, every time they're doing a preview of their team against the Patriots, they always have the answer. It's like, aha, they have slow linebackers and slow defensive ends. Well, we need to hit them on the edges, and we need to to take advantage of these slow linebackers in coverage. Yeah, everybody's got that idea because they're not fast but that's the way this defense is structured it doesn't need to be and Raekwon McMillan is not necessarily a fast guy he's not Jerome Baker so the arrow is actually up for him like this is the style of defense that's going to work for him actually the guy I wonder about is Jerome Baker who started out hotter in 2018 and now I wonder about his role a little bit in 2019
1: yeah it's interesting because he is the guy if you look at the last
2: sort of six weeks
1: of the season that when you looked at this draft class you're like oh He's popping, like, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's not what we saw with Gasicki. You know, Baker had obviously the moment against the Jets, but also I thought as the season went on, he looked more and more comfortable, whereas McMillan, to me, and again, your eye is more trained than me, but looked to be constantly out of position. I, I thought that Baker at least sort of looked like he knew where he needed to be, whereas mm-hmm. Raekwon really didn't look like that. The other thing I think to consider with Raekwon is he's going to be another year removed from the injury, and I, I think that yeah. kind of got looked past a little bit. Very last year. true. Yeah, it takes, takes you know, a year and a half to two years. Two to, years. And that that's what
2: they will say. Second year back from the
1: major knee construction. Right. So I think that'll be a little different. All right, so let's look at some of the players that they've either pursued or that they're bringing in. Obviously, they've cut Danny Amendola loose. I don't think that's a, a big surprise. Now there's some talk that Gore may not come back. Also, if we're talking about 2020, I'd like to see Frank back just because of what he adds to the room and to the team. But I, I would yeah. get that one. Also, but let's look at the, uh, you mentioned Dwayne Allen. There, there appears to be, like you said, a clear philosophical reason for that. Um, and I get it. Let's look at wide receiver um, because if Parker's not going to be here, and I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. If Amendola is not going to be here, that's already done. Uh, you're looking at the receivers from last year and you've got a guy that you really like in Jakeem Grant who wasn't used, you know, all that much last season before he got hurt. And so now there's a timetable with him. You've got Albert Wilson, who I think we both really like for a lot of different reasons, uh, and that was really emerging for them. When he got hurt, and he says he's ahead of schedule, and he's posted a lot of things on social media. I actually saw him about a month ago, and he also said he was ahead of schedule. So hopefully that's the case. But, you know, again, you don't know what his – return is going to look like and then you've got kenny stills who to me was horribly under utilized last season i mean just ignored uh in a lot of games and maybe it was the quarterback maybe it was the coaching staff i don't know but kenny was not as involved as he he would have been do they address wide receiver in any way considering we're talking about just three guys and and two of them are coming off major injuries mm. do they address wide receiver in any way
2: in free agency i have a feeling they're not going to uh and if they do it's it's probably going to get to be get, getting somebody like Riley McCarron or somebody uh, that's way down on the depth chart in new England. And they're just inviting, inviting him over as part of this transition team. Um, I mean, if you, if they really wanted to, uh, we know that the new England Patriots were really high on Randall Cobb uh, and we now have a bunch of those new England Patriots coaches in Miami. So you, you never know if all of a sudden, if Randall Cobb's name just shows up all of a sudden, that would be why. Um, but I don't think so. I know that the staff in Miami were uh, high on Brashad Perriman when he came out of school, and he's a free agent now. Devontae Parker's obviously leaving, but there was some thought uh, within the staff to trading down in that draft and targeting Brashad Perriman and picking up extra picks instead of taking Devontae Parker. So, you know, he's he's probably not going to cost anything, right? So that maybe maybe something like that. But otherwise, I don't think so. I think that Albert Wilson is going to be a featured guy, more of a featured guy. Jakeem Grant, they definitely have in mind to utilize him. They might even trade Kenny Stills or, uh, or otherwise get rid of him. We don't know that yet. Um, and, and I think that they're going to build other pass-catching positions like, you know, you've seen them build with Dwayne Allen. And part of that is to get to spring Mike Gesicki loose. Uh, I think that the running backs are going to catch the running backs, catch 50% more passes in New England than they do in Miami. And so, I mean, so you're going to look at the running back position, Kenyon Drake, we know he's a good receiving threat, and we have seen good things in college out of Kalen Bellage, And he made a few plays as pass catcher last year as well. But we don't know if he's one of those real, you know, strong, super strong pass-catching guys. So they might add a name there. They might add a name. We've heard about, um, you know, the Cleveland Browns have been offering Duke Johnson around the league. And we think that uh, the Miami Dolphins could be interested in that. And I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be surprised to start building the ancillary – uh, Pass catching positions before they really hone in on the wide receiver's position. And that's why I think that they're not going to do much in free agency there. And they might even, you know, minus out a guy that you just talked about with Kenny Stills. All right. Before we cycle
1: back to quarterback, we're going to get back to that last. I uh, want to look at the defense here. So they add Trey Flowers. Let's just say that they do that. They decide to extend Xavier Howard, they don't cut Rashad Jones loose. They've got Minka Fitzpatrick. They're bringing back Baker and McMillan, um, and I, I guess Kiko, right? I mean, what what would be the status of Kiko at this stage? Because I know last year it was really complicated to sort of get rid of him, and then he had a weird season where he was either really really good or really really bad. Like there, there I mean, was not a lot of it, in between.
2: It was uh-huh. such a microcosm uh, for uh, for what the Dolphins were last year, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. they won seven games and. I don't know i don't know how. Yeah, and nobody knows how i don't know
1: and, how. And it, i mean they were and four yet, and a half weeks based
2: on their metrics basically and, and yet you know and kiko was part of that all right kiko played awesome in the games that they won and he made plays in fact in some of those games that literally you could isolate the play and say yeah that was probably the difference in the game and yet you get rid of kiko and it's like well i guess without kiko they would have been that four win team <laughs> right um and, and and that's mind-boggling because you're like he wasn't that good but uh I think he actually plays the game in a way that they appreciate. And so they would like to keep him all things uh, being equal. But I do think that they're going to want to edit uh, and take a look at his contract and get him to play ball on a, um, on a pay cut of some sort. I think that some of the things that they need to do, this defense needs to transition. There are three levels of, of transition for the defense. There's on the back end and the secondary, you need a whole lot of new bodies there. Mm-hmm. And you need guys that are good at man coverage and guys that are pretty fast because they need to be good at man coverage all the way around. Mm-hmm. And they don't have enough bodies there. The, De- the Patriots, I said, we've said this on the pod many times, you know, the Patriots are a team that will play dime, you know, maybe a third of the time and then play quarter, which is seven defensive backs on okay. the field at the same time. You know, maybe one out of 10 plays or one out of 12 plays or something like that. So and they only played base, you know, the four defensive back package. They only play base like something like 12 percent, which is ridiculous. So what Miami needs, Miami was the opposite kind of team. Miami was we're either in base like 35 percent of the time or we're in nickel with five defensive backs the other 65 percent of the time. Now they need more defensive backs because they're going to use more defensive backs. So they need bodies there. They need bodies in the secondary in order to, to fill up the dime and quarter defenses and make sure they can keep going even if somebody gets hurt and misses a game here and there. Uh, on the linebacker level, they don't have any of the sort of linebackers that Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy were were, were which is sort of like inside-outside guys. Um, they line up in the box as real stacked linebackers half the time, and then the other half the time they're on the line as an outside, as like a 3-4 outside linebacker pass rushing or something like that. Uh, we don't have those bigger bodies like that there. So, you know, somewhere that's going to have to happen, um, probably via the draft. And then the other transition is on the defensive line, and the first thing that you do there is with a tray of flowers, make sure that you've got that inside-outside pass rusher Uh, And then the second thing is they need somebody with just really powerful, heavy hands, like sort of a nose tackle type. Um, And that's where we think that they could be interested in Malcolm Brown of the New England Patriots. He's a free agent. Uh, We've heard that they're interested in him. Um, He's sort of a young guy. They drafted, I believe they drafted him maybe toward the end of the first round or the second round or something like that. So they drafted him high. He's made it to free agency. He's always had somebody kind of ahead of him, whether it's Lawrence guy or, Danny Shelton, a guy that they traded for. Um, so we think that they're they're going to get sort of a heavier, you know, puncher there in Malcolm Brown. And then they've got those transitions on the linebackers and then, and then the uh, secondary to make.
1: So the back seven, like you're talking about, if you're hoping you get something – from Charles Harris, um, you know, maybe they can hit on a, a pass rusher at some point in the draft who can kind of add to the rotation. But you look at the back seven, you mentioned bodies, I, and I've heard you guys talk about this on the podcast. Uh, I mean, the Patriots would have seven or eight playable guys. The, the, the Dolphins have, by my count, four, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with Rashad. And again, that you're still establishing what Minka's position is going to be. So you've got, you know, Rashad, you've got, you know, for however long it lasts, you've got Minka. Uh, you've got obviously Howard and you've got McCain and and that's really it because, I mean, it looks like you missed on Tankersley. McTire was a disaster last year. Uh, So you don't have these extra guys. I I guess uh, the one question I would have is if they just had Trey Flowers and they've gone from Matt Burke to Brian Flores and people he's comfortable with, Mm -hmm. just that alone (laughs) – that alone like all you do is add Trey Flowers you, you have the same three linebackers basically you try to add to the depth virtually the same D line you don't have camera wake you don't have Robert Quinn but it's like they played without Robert Quinn for the last 12 weeks of last season anyway um, <laughs> you're right you, you've got the same four DBs and you're going to add a little bit of depth there mm-hmm. This be a top because I've heard your colleague uh, Alfredo argue often that there's top 12 talent on this defense right top 12 in the league in terms of de- you know defensive efficiency numbers and all those things you look at but the matt burke just didn't coach it right is it possible that just trey flowers and brian flores is enough to make this a top
2: 12 defense i don't i wouldn't argue that it is personally um i think that they've got listen if you've got transitions to make even forgetting whether you've got the ideal coaching or not which is always the question um you, you just hired these guys are they actually good uh for taking that aside the talent that you've built the talent that you've got was sort of built into this previous system and now you've got a new system and as I just said there's three levels of transition to make from a personnel and from a you know a, a structural standpoint as far as what kind of talents that are good at what um you've got to make those transitions before you can even run the defense the way that it's supposed to be run and they haven't even started on step one of that. You obviously have some work to do in the linebackers. You have a lot of work to do in the secondary because I agree with you. There's right now there's four guys and one of them is, uh, you know, arguably two of them play slot slot corner and that's Minkah Fitzpatrick and Bobby McCain. And that's not quite structured the, the right way. Um, no, you need a whole lot more bodies on the defensive secondary and you need to start seeing some better transition or s- start seeing and fleshing out how that transition is going to happen in the linebackers before he can start, you know, saying, because even the Patriots defense wouldn't be like top 12 in yardage. Um, mm-hmm. They would be, they'd be top 12 in points allowed. Because um,
1: right, what we've always talked about with them, right? Like that's been yeah. a consistent thing is they, they stiffen when you get to the 20,
2: basically. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's okay. exactly right. right. And because they play they, they play they play a smart defense. They play a smart defense. They're situational and they wait for situations where they've got you and then they get you off the field. Right. And and that's what that's what the the style of defense is is about. And before you've got the talent that can do what you need it to do in those situations, it can look rough. <laughs> so this right. could be a rough transition in uh, 2019. Um, I, you know, you got to look at what they do on the whole uh, in the draft and in the free agency. But right now, no, I don't see it being a top defense.
1: All right, so let's move to the last thing here, and it's we touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's what everybody uh, wants to know. So real quick here, mm-hmm. your quarterback for the Miami Dolphins on opening day,
2: 2019, is. If I were a betting man, I'd say Josh McCown. Wow. Uh, okay. I think that. How and, old and, is
1: Josh these days? Thirty uh, eight? 40
2: Forty-three. I don't know. Um, I know. I know that he still dunks a basketball. Apparently, uh, there's 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 video out there on Twitter of him at this age, like bawling out on the court. He's he's actually amazing. Um, he's a good athlete. I mean, this is going to be just like two thousand eight, right? Remember two thousand eight? Bill Parcells got here. He's it's all rebuilding. It's ripping up the roster, starting fresh, starting with all these new bodies. And uh, Josh McCown is supposed to be the quarterback, yep. and that was that was 2008.
1: Eleven that, years ago. Well, yeah. here, here's how long I've been doing this. I was in Mobile when Dan Marino interviewed Josh McCown um, at <laughs> coming out in the draft. I remember them walking, wow. were room together. Uh, that that's how because that would be about right, right? Because it was uh, Danny was 2000. Well, I saw it today by the way, and he just he stopped aging at a certain point. Like he's <laughs> That's he right. His, He's just stuck in time. I, I'm, I'm watching him you know, interact with JT, and again, I'm thinking these guys never got, never won a Super Bowl. One of them. JT
2: certainly never ages. No, like, no,
1: no. He look, he looks exactly. He abs- looks I mean, exactly. He, the he could get six sacks right now. I think. Yeah, I am so. Pretty, pretty clear on that. But yeah, I remember. Yeah, it would have been 2004 because it was Dan took the job that he didn't know what it was, and was on a, a bench in Mobile in the rain uh, watching offensive line prospects and quit about four days later. But he was <laughs> he, he interviewed. Josh McCown. That's how long this has been. It's it's last term here. Uh, It wouldn't stun me. I I guess, uh, let me just give you two more names here and and you let me know if you think uh, there's any possibility to them. I, I Bridgewater, uh, do you see that at all? Is there any chance of that for that, for
2: this group? I do If for no other reason than I'm pretty sure that Teddy Bridgewater wants to be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have that. I mean, Alf has that from Teddy's father himself. Uh, Teddy wants to be here. And, you know, if Ryan Tannehill is no longer here, then he will be he will be lobbying for this job. Mm-hmm. The question is, will that work from a financial standpoint? And last year, Teddy Bridgewater was making $6 million, and I think even that number might be too high for Miami. Uh, everybody thinks that that number is, I mean, everybody last year were talking about that number as if it were going to double, even though he hadn't played in 2018. And then when he did play in 2018, finally in week 17, he honestly wasn't very good um so you know I can't see that number actually getting much bigger the way that everybody says it's going to be but the number may actually have to get smaller in order for Miami to take on it and so he's just gonna listen Miami has the only job in the league the only starting job in the league that's up for grabs right if you look around the league nobody else has and so you're talking to guys like Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill in a few moments Um, And, you know, several other guys that want to be a starter. If these are guys that aren't old and think that, you know, all I need in order to be known as a starter and be coveted as a starter is that chance. Right. the chance to actually get on the field and play, then these guys should be saying, you know, hey, I'll play for $2 million as long as you make me a starter and, and you give me that chance. And then I'm betting on myself at that point because I'll succeed and then I'll be known as a starter and then that's, that's when I'll make $12 million plus. Right. Um, so Teddy Bridgewater and those guys should be offering should, should be offering to take a low deal for Miami. And if they do, then maybe they are in the game. For Miami, but if they don't, then I think the Miami is probably just going to go a different direction from those guys. Uh, but Teddy, I know, wants to be there.
1: Right, and and right, and, and that's the big piece of this. All right, so let's skip over the other guys. Let's get to the guy you mentioned. Uh, where is Ryan Tannehill next season?
2: Well, at first I thought it was going to be the Washington Redskins. Then and just traded for uh, Case Keenum. I mean, Ryan's people thought it was, or the indications I had were that Ryan's people thought that it was going to be the Washington Redskins. Now the indications that I have are that, um, that you know, either the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys could be interested, but clearly at this point he's looking at a backup position, and nobody is going to even give him really the chance to say, you know hey, it's 50-50, you just got to win the starting job from this guy. Mm -hmm. No, he's a backup at this point. A backup's wages are like six million dollars at the high end. So he's probably got some realities to face as far as how much money he's going to make. And he's gonna be looking at one of those one of those teams that already have a quarterback and he can just play the backup. And I think that several of them out there, you know, that you can include Cincinnati in there since he's got the Zach Taylor Mm -hmm. connection. But I think I've heard, you know, New York. Giants and maybe Dallas Cowboys something like that Um, at this point though it's really wide open because it's it's so well acknowledged that he's just going to be a backup
1: it's amazing Uh, the same thing it's like Chad Henney all over again it's just it's it's repeated itself where we sit it wasn't as long with Chad uh, as it was as it was with Ryan, but it's like we, we sit here arguing over somebody for four years and then he's just gone I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, I mean, there's no, I mean, we're not even planning like a special Tannehill episode. He'll just be gone. He'll, no. he'll sign somewhere else. You won't see him play for three weeks. Uh, you know, starting quarterback will get hurt somewhere. Ryan will get a couple of starts. Oh, that used to be Ryan Tannehill. Like, I, it's just, it's amazing to me. And this, I, this is not to disrespect him at all because I have enormous respect for his uh, toughness and kind of, you know, some of what he put up with here in terms of the changing coaching staffs and the changing schemes and everything else. And, and I wanted him to succeed. But it is kind of remarkable. He was here for seven years and made, like, no impact. Like, I'm not saying he didn't make any in the community, because I know he and his wife did good things in the community. But, like... I still don't even know who Ryan Tannehill is. Like it's just it, it's yeah. and it's kind of amazing. Like maybe it's a product of the sport and the way that they're coached not to ever say anything. But like seven years into Dwayne Wade's career, I kind of knew who Dwayne was. I I don't I don't know anything about Ryan Tannehill. As
2: as the balls cast people would say, he's vegetable lasagna. Vegetable lasagna, uh, man, and he's yeah, somebody I, I else. It's going to be. Yeah. And, and really part of that is his own doing because he and his wife are intensely private people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, I, it's fully understandable. We're not casting judgment on these um on these people as you know as humans okay we're just saying why aren't you more iconic as a sports figure Mm -hmm. um if you're an intensely private person and you you know you don't like to speak out that much and you don't like to let the cameras into your lives that much then um then that's not going to happen and yeah i think he is gonna he is just gonna kind of melt away um to to some other team just like chad Henney did except it just took longer chad Henney, they got him in the second round pick so maybe that's why it didn't take as long it only took four years instead of seven um but you know i say that um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, but it seemed like forever but like uh, ryan
1: it was, was twi- but ryan was twice as long like i it mean our, our, i mean i think it was actually our colleague over at balls cast chris joseph who penned uh the nickname the robot for henny like that that was their thing on that finn nation site which we're, gonna, was. we're gonna actually stupidly gonna try to recreate on five are reasons. we really <laughs> When it when it launches, I think I'm gonna get Roger
2: back involved in it with with Chris. Well, but that's that's great news because I loved that site.
1: Oh, that was fantastic. I mean, well, the whole uh, you know we are all Ray Fenga and everything yeah. else. I mean, that was how I got to know Chris. But yeah, that's uh, I think I was the only media member who read it actually. Uh, right? <laughs> but but yeah, he, he penned him the robot and uh, and it was right. And then it's like they found another robot, a later edition robot who lasted three more years. I, I will say that. You know, at least they have longevity going for them. But uh, it's just – I come back to it, and I think this is a good place to close. I'm at this bowling thing today, which I blew it, by the way. There were 50 teams entered in OJ's tournament. He had a great turnout. Uh, we finished second because my four teammates all averaged in the two, in the two games about 230, and I averaged 115. So wow. we 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 averaged. And I'm usually about one thirty to one fifty, but today was not good. We averaged. So we lost by by twenty pins. Twenty pins from winning the whole damn thing because of me. But I'm looking around and I'm just seeing every uh, lane had had a really impressive celebrity, except mine, which because. <laughs> and, and and I'm looking around and I'm thinking these guys are like they've had talent. They've had talent. Like they've been good players who've come through here. Yeah. And. It's just, it's amounted to nothing. I'm looking at Vernon Carey three lanes down for me, right? I'm looking at, uh, I mean, you know, I, they, had, they had really, they had good, you know, Timbo, years and years and years of service for this organization, right? He looks great, by the way. He's lost about 40 pounds. I, oh. I, and, and I'm looking around and I'm just like, so much talent squandered, so many years squandered. If it takes them a couple of years to get it right, I'm okay with it. I just don't know how many Dolphin fans are going to be. And and I that's to me, that's going to be the really interesting test. All right, catch CK on his usual podcast, Three Arts Per Carry. He is there every week with Alfredo and with Simon. Uh, Simon, uh, who hates my work, so you can hear him on there killing me on a regular basis. And they both hate Alfredo, so it's really fun. Um, so check them out on Three Arts Per Carry, and, and I'll be back with Chris later in the week. The other Chris, Winningham, one of our 12 Chrises.
2: You for listening to the Fire in the Podcast,
0: thank you so much. Sick of being upsold at gyms? <laughs> My
1: guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership.
2: For one hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat
0: Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy. Always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget.